Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris, coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland, Oregon. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. So if you've ever been surfing around the web, and I don't mean Lake Michigan or the Pacific Ocean, I'm talking about the, the interweb, as some people call it, and you're looking at barbecue stores, okay? And all of a sudden you come across this store and they're based down in Louisiana called Barbecue Guys. And you start looking on there and there's some really interesting stuff on there, very up to date things and all that. But then you go to the about section and start looking at who, what, where, how, and why. And you'll come across our guest today, Chef Tony uh, Matassa from the Barbecue Guys down there in Louisiana. And Tony's got quite an interesting and uh, very good history in the food world. So, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. I appreciate you uh, having us out today. No problem. I had to take a drink of water there, so excuse me. Um, <laughs> so first of all, tell us a little bit about Barbecue Guys, and then I want to really dig into uh, you and your experiences, because you've had some incredibly good experiences in the food world. We've had a lot of good times, for sure. Um so uh, Barbecue Guys, I mean, basically we're probably one of the largest or definitely the leading uh, online retailer for almost anything outdoor living, any outdoor living products you can imagine. Sure. But certainly every cooking, every outdoor cooking thing you can imagine for sure. And then, you know, we try to tighten up the loose ends with anything else that, that may be needed in that same in that same field. <laughs> well, I noticed that over... Um because I'm not really affiliated with any store, you know, in particular, I am with a couple of manufacturers, but no store, but I notice a lot of people are doing, uh, and they're probably, some of them got the idea from you They they do a lot of videos and this, and that it's all good. You know, everybody's really showing their, showing what they can do. Some of them are a little different than others, and that's great to learn from. But Mm -hmm. before you step in front of the camera, Here's my advice to people, because I've been doing that, too, for 20 odd years, is you really need to kind of know what you're talking about. And uh, (laughs) yeah, it does help because you can usually trip yourself up pretty good and look kind of dopey if you (laughs) if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So your background, you started with your folks and they started a restaurant right when you were just brand new out of the box. And and you kind of made your major bones with that. Yeah, I grew up in there literally, uh, standing on chairs and whatever else I could find to stand on to uh, to cook with my godfather and my dad, who had the place together. 
And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we went there every day after school, and we were there most weekends. We, we lived literally in that place, so I have definitely lived it. <laughs> so, Tony, when you <clears throat> when you work with guys like uh, Des, uh, has his, uh, Desfanano, did I say that right? Desfanano? Oh, uh, Desfanano, yes. Desfanano, okay. And uh, uh, the French chef, Emery, there. How do you take those mm-hmm. skills? And transfer them over to the world of barbecue and how did that help uh well so I, as far as how it helped i would think that it probably helped me be different than most others um just because and that, and getting back to the first part of the question the the way that everything that i learned from those two guys and from everybody you know just all the things i've learned in all my years that's my favorite thing to do is to try to come up with something that was, you know, oh, I love to eat whatever it might be. And normally it is not a grilled item or a barbecued item. I try to figure out a way to make that happen. And that's kind of the fun part for me is I get to be very creative and kind of out the box. And, you know, and it, and, and sometimes you have to change it up a little bit, but at least the, the basics of whatever the recipe is that you're going for. Mm-hmm. To me, I just, when, it, when you pull it off right, it's so great when you uh, do it on a grill because everything on the grill is going to have a little extra caramelization and char to it. So sure. basically all going to taste better than how you used to have it. If you can pull it off on a grill. So yeah, that's kind of a, that's basically how I do it. I, uh, I like to take, <clears throat> excuse me. We got really crappy weather here. So my sinuses are, are raising <laughs> the sky with me. So forgive me for that. But Tony, one of the uh, things I like to do is kind of look at classic old recipes, say chicken Kiev Mm -hmm. or something like that, and then figure Mm -hmm. out how I can take that and maybe not exactly um, do that recipe on the grill, although you could do it that way, but I like to modify those recipes and then do Mm -hmm. it on the grill. And absolutely. And do you like to do that? And and tell us about your favorite thing to do when you process something like that or how, what is your process? I should say. Um, so usually I break it, it, most things you can break down sort of like into parts um, of, of the dish. And um, in doing so, sometimes you may have to use more than one cooking appliance. Sure. You know, you may have to use, uh, I'll, I'll just give you a, a quick example that kind of wraps it all together and it, and sort of makes it easy to understand how I do it. But um, so when we started um, traveling several years back and cooking for different functions and events, um, the owner of our company decided, you know, we're from Louisiana. We want to do some Louisiana stuff and we'd like to have gumbo for, to serve everybody. Well, you're talking, you know, probably 20, 30, 50,000 people. You, you're not feeding all <laughs> of them, but there are basically as much as you can put out, they will take. Right. So, so it's a very large amount. So when that happens, when it's anything that big, the first thing I do is I go to the industrial food, uh, food process. You know, how do they do it? So, because theirs is the most efficient and the fastest, and I mean, that's what they do. That's how they make their money. Sure. So, uh, I look at those processes, you know, might be hoppers and all these things, and then I think, you know, how can I emulate that kind of on a much smaller scale, but larger than the standard home? And so, I usually get some pretty good ideas there. And uh, so, for the gumbo, everything that went into the gumbo, you would normally cook it as a stew or a soup, whatever you might want to call it. Mm-hmm. I took everything that was going into it, all of the onions and bell peppers and everything else, and 
first sauteed huge, huge batches of all of it on a griddle, a flat top griddle. Mm-hmm. And so then I degrazed and scraped everything up, ice bath, cooled down, etc. Once all the batches were done, I was able to basically make gumbo like a soup, but pot wise, because I only had a certain size pot and I would need to do multiple batches. I only had to spend 30 minutes in the pot to meld everything together. If that makes sense. Everything had already sure. been roasted on the, on the flat top. Well, that, that so, makes, I mean, that's kind of the process. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense because you know, you can't, uh, I'm assuming that when, if you did this outside, you had some sort of gas burner, you know? Oh yeah. It was all, I had several, uh, several flat top grills. That yeah. We have our showroom in Baton Rouge, uh, where we have a ton of equipment for people to check out and everything, all the major brands. And, uh, and so I just went out there on a weekend and used a bunch of the flat tops. Yeah. That that's, that's really good because I know I've, I've done that not with making gumbo to that many people, but with making, whether it's, um, you know, a beef stew, or like I said, you can, you can do about yeah. anything. Uh, if you just kind of stop and think for a little bit about the process and then yeah, that's it. you can do it when you go to, um, step back to the gumbo for a second when you're doing that. And Mm -hmm. do you find that when you're, you know, you're uh, grilling and glazing stuff and using a flat top and doing all that, and that's all good. uh, Mm -hmm. Do you find it, the seasonings meld really well together in the pot, or do you have to do anything extra because of the way you've processed it? Because they're not all in the pot at the same time uh, to start with. Well, so they are for about a half an hour. Yeah, And that's where you get the meld from. Um, but even the other thing, too, is as you're uh, griddling it, like I said, you, you're keeping, you're deglazing and keeping all of your remnants and everything. It all gets uh, bagged up together. And so, believe it or not, in the end, and, and so just to, to understand the, the setup is, uh, well, that was my initial thought was to do it that way. Well, before I did the 35 gallons or whatever it was <laughs> that we actually needed for the event, I did about two gallons uh, the prior weekend, just strictly out of just strictly to test the whole theory. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up if you do it that way and, and deglaze and keep all your um, remnants and juices and everything, and then you put it all in the pot for a half an hour or so together, and then it all gets bagged together. It's basically as though it simmered all night long. <laughs> sure. No, it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, I know in some of the stuff I've done for large uh, large groups. There's some things I like to do ahead of time, like most cooks, mm-hmm. you know, and do that. And then of course, if you're doing whatever your, your protein is, if you want to go down that road, like if you're doing a big batch of tri-tips or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, try to mm-hmm. really focus on that at the, at the end. And because that's what people see too. And that's what people smell. Yep you know, when they're walking by. So if you can kind of make a show out of that, if you will, yeah. and you've got your other stuff pretty well lined out and going, um, you stand a yeah. good chance of success, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, well, the other thing too, that goes hand in hand with that is like I tell people all the time, you know, you, you build a nice outdoor kitchen probably because you would at least like to entertain You either entertain a lot or, or you would at least hope to. Right. And it's no fun entertaining quote unquote, if you, if you're not really allowed to entertain, basically the whole time your guests are there, you are having to 
100% mandibril and, and whatever else. That's one of the things I try to do with some of my how-to videos and recipes and stuff is I, I try to bring the, the, the restaurant world, which is like you just said, some of the pre, um, I will, you know, crank the, the heat up on a grill to 900 degrees practically and flash sear tons of things and then ice bath them. To where I only have to hit, they only have to, when the, once the party gets started, you know, you only have to spend probably 20% of the time that you, than what you would have had to spend. Uh, Chef Tony and I are going to be back here on Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Network. Please stay with us. And thank you for having us in your, in your ears today and in your head. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Network. I'm JT, along with uh, Chef Tony Matassa from Barbecue Guys down in Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to email us, it's pretty easy to do. There's two ways, actually. You can go to barbecuenationjt.com, and there's a little link on there, and you can send me an email there. Or you can do it at my other persona, which is info at thecowboycook.com, and um, you can send us questions, comments, whatever there. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, all that stuff, all those 9,000 different media platforms we've got, uh, drives you crazy some days, honestly. We're with talking with Chef Tony Matas from Barbecue Guys in Louisiana. And Tony's a really fun guy. We don't really know each other. We're just kind of getting to know each other here. But I can tell you, he's he and I would get along well in the kitchen. Um, I think we would, especially uh, outside like that. So, we were talking in the last segment about people learning and, and progressing and doing that. And I was telling you a story about a friend of ours, his wife, who is now finally starting to get a hold of this idea of cooking, you know, and, and the, you know, planning and also preparing everything at the right time and getting it together. So you can sit down at the table and eat. It wasn't like that always. And so I told you, she, made jello one time that it didn't set i'm not quite sure how she managed that honestly but she did That's and, interesting. yeah and it went all over her husband's khakis and shirt and then um another time she made this rice salad which uh you know epa should have banned that so anyway it, it was it was really pretty pretty tough but what it reminded me of and i'm telling this story just so we the audience can share then tony and i'll get back to talking about barbecue <laughs> i had an aunt who passed away a long time ago um and when we went to clean out her house you know and settle the estate and mm -hmm. all that we looked in the cupboard and in the cupboard you <laughs> opened the cupboard and there was these three recipes there now, those were the all over all the years that we went there for a Sunday dinner or whatever. It wasn't too many times, but it was one of those recipes and it was the whole thing. And so if she had, if she had it kind of charted out, I don't know if she, this mm -hmm. was a home ec class deal or what, but it was like, okay, you got four people. You need an eight ounce bag of peas. If you have, uh, you know, nine people, you got to do this like that. And uh, everybody was entitled to one roll or 
croissant or biscuit or whatever you were going to have, you know, and, uh-huh. it, and it was pretty funny. She was actually turned into a very good cook, but my dad used to say, if we were going to go to Aunt Nellie's house, we had to stop and get something to eat on the way there because <laughs> there was never enough. So it was all portion controlled, huh? It was. It was absolutely. And I mean, yeah. people in the food sciences would be so proud of her, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so the the other end of um, after I put together something like like the gumbo we were talking about earlier, right? Uh, the next the next part of the process is to use um, you know take really, really good notes on everything. And I weigh everything with a digital gram scale. So I have all my, all my weights and measurements, uh, to the gram. So that's about as close as you need it. Um, and then I take a ton of notes and I usually will try to serve freely at two to three events. And then I take all of that information, average everything out. And then I'll plug in a bunch of formulas into spreadsheets, which I know doesn't sound like fun, but I am able to, when you tell me, Hey, we need to cook for However many people, I can punch that amount of people in at the top, and then everything else populates. Sure. Makes, Makes perfect sense. Easy. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Unlike um, a, a, a gig I did, oh, this has been 10 years ago now, but they said, uh, uh, well, you're going to be cooking for about 200 people. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. That was, and so I got a crew, yeah. and and we were there. That was a wrong number, though. We yeah, cooked, that's what happens. We had about eight hundred people show up. So, yep. luckily, I had been to uh, the wholesaler and had a lot of of uh, whatever we were cooking. Maybe it was tri tips. I don't know. But we I had agree. we had a couple of extra cases of those in the back of my truck, and. We had nice. some extra potato salad and stuff. So we went through all of it, which was fine. But it is always kind of good to know, maybe within four to five people uh, max, yeah. and, and better if yeah. it's just two to three, if you know what you're going to cook. And I like sending stuff yeah. home with people. Yeah, same here. Uh, like for us, too, it's, you know, we're, we're out there having a good time and trying to meet people and, and you know, build relationships. And the, the last thing that I ever wanted on any of them, and we almost have never had it happen, but, but that's one of the last things we shoot for is to completely run out of food. Right. It just, you know, it makes for a bad time. We're all there trying to entertain and have fun and all those good things. And that can't really happen if you run out of food. So, well, when you're that's, that's part of it for sure, when you're stripping a stock of celery into six pieces, the, <laughs> the long way to make it, <laughs> make it and cutting olives in half, you know, you're, you're down to yep. the, you're down to the nitty gritty. So they say when, when yep, Tony, when people come see you at, um, at the store, mm-hmm. what's probably the most prominent question they ask you? Like if you're doing well, a demo for somebody. Right. Well, so believe it or not, if, if it's their first time, generally the question they will ask me is, so which, what girl should I get? Right. <laughs> That'd be the first thing they will ask me which there isn't really an answer for, right? I mean, I, I don't know which grill you should get yet. And we I will help you with that, and we will find out. But originally, I won't know that yet. <laughs> right. But that is what they hope. They hope they can press the easy button. And uh, and I, I wish I could for them, too. But there's just there are grills made for everybody out there, and it just depends on who you are, you know? Yeah, if you know. But, so let's say if we are doing some, an, an event, the other thing that I find odd and what drives me to continue making more videos and really trying to get out there with people and help people with it. 
a lot of times, believe it or not, is that people are amazed by, I don't know, you could cook fish on a grill or you're making pizza on a grill. You know, they're amazed by what I am making on the grill. And to me, it's not even that big of a deal, but it's that they just didn't know that you could cook that kind of thing on a grill. Right. Right. No, it's true because uh, I've had that happen too, where they come up and like, you know, how are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty easy. There's a heat source. And, yeah. you know, here's something I'm cooking and there, I've got some seasoning on it and we just cook it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I sound pretty droll sometimes to them, but I am kind of amazed. It's like, how are you doing that? Well, we've got a grill here. It's, you know, it's got heat and, yeah. you know, all that. And that's how things start. And yeah, it's like, very oh. common though. It is. It's very common. Um, Chef Tony and I are going to take a break here on the nation. We're going to be back in a few minutes. Please stay with us. You are listening to barbecue nation on the sun radio network. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT uh, here on the Sun Radio Network. I'd like to thank again the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef, you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. I kind of got some Gunter Wilhelm Knives earlier, well, last year, I guess, and they're great and I love using them. You can check them out at GunterWilhelm.com. We've got Chef Tony Matassa with us here today from the Barbecue Guys down in Louisiana. I wish we could share some of the stuff we were talking about off the air, but maybe not. I don't know. But, uh, but like we were, we were saying off the air, this will make people think about it. There are certain things that do not belong together. It, it right. you know tapioca and crab not good okay <laughs> just not good um for me it's lima beans and pretty much other any other food because i'm not a lima Anything, beans fan. Eh? yeah i just <laughs> can't do it my mom made them and they're no no anyway um yeah but you know there's just some things that you you know, that don't belong together and other things that you can get creative and put together that maybe like George Carlin used to say, you nail two things together that have never been nailed together before and somebody will buy it. Okay. That's right. And so I think that's what we do with food. That leads me to the question, Tony, what do you think is your most creative dish just off the top of your head? Huh? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's technically my most creative, but, one that I just really love to share with people just because of its backstory. And I mean, it, it tastes incredible as far as I'm concerned. Um, and just, it just, I nailed it on accident, right? Like right. not because I'm great at anything. I just, it, I, the idea came together well and it worked out well. I don't know if you know anything about New Orleans style barbecue shrimp. It's a little bit different than a standard yeah. grilled shrimp. Um, technically it is normally not grilled at all. Actually, it's just like a barbecue type au jus that the shrimp will, would be, uh, sitting in. And so I actually did a, I had, we have video of it, um, on our website, uh, at BBQ guys, but I, I, you know, I did it on the grill where I did the, uh, French bread on the grill and I did all the preparation on the grill 
and it was my favorite dish to eat as a child at my parents' restaurant. And I didn't think it was possible. I just wanted to pull it off. I didn't think it would ever one up the original, but it absolutely one ups the original. Oh, that's great. That is great. Those are those moments, right? Like those are those great things. And it was, again, it wasn't anything amazing uh, as far as what I had to do to achieve it and and think about it and everything. But it is one of those things when you pull it off, it feels amazing regardless. You know, it's just, wow, that's amazing. And I told my parents about it. And (laughs) I shared it with everybody. Well, because, you know, my, my dad, so my dad knew that it was my favorite thing to eat at his restaurant. So, you know, and I always did his style. And then when I, did it on the grill. I, it was like, man, you've you got to try this. I know the original is awesome, but you have to try it. <laughs> I, I did a, I, well, I created a recipe years and years ago and I've done it various ways. And it's a portobello mushroom stuffed with seafood. Okay. And nice. then, then like, mm-hmm. uh, it's got scallops and shrimp and crab in it. It's got some, uh, you know, nice. chopped up green onions, some garlic, some mm-hmm. water chestnuts and some capers. And that's mixed in with a little bit of cream cheese and a little bit of sour cream. Okay. And so it kind of makes, makes the base. And then you cover it with like a couple different, I have some mozzarella and Parmesan and you bake it. And I usually put a big Mm -hmm. shrimp on the top, uh, you know, an extra large one with a couple of capers, make a little smiley face or something. And it's quite good. (laughs) Well, when I first did that, I did it at a, um, kind of a spur of the moment thing. And I was actually way up in Idaho with some friends and they were having a big party and they wanted me to help them. So I came up with that and that worked out good. So then I did it for television and that, and of course I did it in a conventional oven on TV in the middle of winter. You're going to do that, but I've also adapted it to go outside and you serve that with some sliced baguettes with some little um, melted butter and and a little seasoning and maybe a little more Parmesan on there. It's a great dish. You know, it's Absolutely, a, it's yeah. a great dish, and it really came about on a fluke. So, um, some of the best things do. Some yeah, of the best things do. Absolutely, and that's what I try to tell people too: is don't be afraid to uh, to try it. You know, if you've got yeah. an idea, you know, maybe not the um, seafood pudding or whatever that was. Yeah, no doubt that. Yeah, you know, I hear you. <laughs> or lima beans and whatever but anyway anything else pretty much fair game and you can try it and try and make it and i think it's really yeah, I mean, i'm sorry go no go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say uh, you know i mean exactly what you said and there's there's a few small rules if that's what you i mean they're not really they're not hard and fast you, you can break them if you'd like but for success more times than not you know the the, the simple things like don't when you're, you know, if you're choosing your herbs that you plan to put in a recipe, don't choose two different herbs that are very strong high notes. Right. Because they're, they're, they're just going to fight with each, you know I mean? It wouldn't make it. So which one do you want? You want this one or that one? You can't have two high notes to get, you know, that's those things that, that beginners will do a lot of times and get down on themselves about, but they just need to, you know, if you taste the herb itself and you see how high or, you know, how strong of, uh, and dominant that flavor is, you never want, you know, why would you want to have two alphas in the same room? Right. It's right. Like, right. So well, you know, pick compliments to it after that. And the same goes for everything. There's just those little bitty things like that. And that, you know, nothing that's crazy to try to remember or anything. It's all fairly simple. 
And once you get that, like I said, you'll have more success than failure for sure. Well, you know, and we talk a lot in, in the food world about balance. Um, people call it different things, but you know, it, it's kind of a balance in, in the flavoring and the seasoning and all that. Right. And I agree with you. I mean, if you like more basil, go a little heavier on the basil. If it's your yeah. dish and you're doing it, you can prepare it the way you wish, you know, Absolutely. um, I'm not a, I'm not an overly large proponent of red onions. I like yellow onions. I like white onions, but red's mm -hmm. my third in line as far as choice. I'll eat them, but I prefer right. the other ones. Okay. And, right. but if you're cooking something for me, Tony, and, and, you know, I come, I come down to Louisiana's and you got something with red onions in it. I'm going to eat it. You know, oh, I'm the same way with that. Yeah. If you cook for me, that is, uh, that, that will be eaten by me. That's yeah. Bad. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that balance as far as the flavors and the seasonings, I mean, you don't, I mean, mm -hmm. look, okay. We've got salted caramel. That's great. I don't want to see garlic <laughs> caramel. You no, know? yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been asked probably to make crazier things than that, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I had, we did an event one time for somebody and they requested a white chocolate candied bacon bread pudding. Really? Which was not outrageous, but, but bacon and bread, but you know, at yeah. first it was quite a shock. Like, oh, I don't know. I, uh, okay. I guess. And once I thought about it a little bit, you know, yeah, sure. That all good. That works together. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't think, it of, yeah. you just don't think of it off the cuff of going together. Yeah. But when you think about it a little bit, I will tell you a story about bacon too, really fast. My, sure. my mother-in-law who's no longer with us, but I, I can't, I got a pair of mother-in-laws. So, you know, I got a package <laughs> deal on that. So uh, anyway, the one that's not with us anymore, she used to love maple bars. And so uh, in Portland, there's Voodoo Donuts. It's kind of a famous donut shop there. And there's some other, they have some in Seattle and stuff too. But, and they always right. make this big maple bar with a piece of bacon on it. And they're really good. And sure. uh, so I brought that home and I said, here you go, grandma. Here's the maple. She goes, take that bacon off there. I can't eat that bacon. That won't, you know, that. I said, oh, okay. So she ate that whole All maple right. bar. I put the bacon on a paper towel and just put it on the, counter in the kitchen you know five minutes mm -hmm. five minutes later i walked by there that bacon's gone too and all, right, all right. the extra maple frosting so things do work out <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i can't eat that uh you need to yeah you need to take that off of there i can't yeah. handle that yeah that's a and bad deal back and then i'll get all over that bacon <laughs> <laughs> so tony what's your favorite thing if if i came down and said tony i'm going to be there next saturday uh and you were gonna you were gonna grill or barbecue or smoke something for me. What would you do? You, your choice, not mine. Um, probably pizza on the grill. Yeah, I just you know growing up we had uh, so we had two pizza places as well, and I just you know I, I was only able to make breadsticks back then because I was probably eight, nine, ten years sure. old, whatever it was. But you know, just being it 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 um it has nostalgia for me personally. So I, I enjoy um that, and I just I really like. Uh, pizza off of a grill when when you're able to get some actual flame contact which uh -huh. you don't normally get out of your oven you know um it, sure uh, baking is baking but when you get some of that flame and smoke and everything it's just something i don't know it it, it, it takes it to a different level as far as pizza goes compared to just a standard oven bake 
type pizza. Do you like using the an outdoor pizza oven that you know with wood and stuff? Do you use those? Sure, too? sure, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we use those uh, frequently. I um, it's like this. It, neither is better. They're just totally different. So sure. it just depends. I get in different moods uh, for a time. I'll say, oh, I want you know, I want pizza from a pizza oven. Or I want it from a grill. And then when it comes to grilling, I do it two different ways. I, I have a stone that I'll set up on a gas grill or a charcoal or whatever. Right. And I also do pizzas straight on the grids. It's a different style. But again, none of them are better than the other. But I have certain moments where it's like, no, that, you know, that's the one I want today is whichever one. And so then I take it one of those three directions. Usually chef Tony and I will be back uh, in just a few minutes. We are talking with chef Tony Matassa from barbecue guys down in um, Louisiana and great stories here. And if you read between the lines, you might even learn something. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT here on the Sun Radio Network. We're talking with Chef Tony Matassa from the Barbecue Guys store down in uh Louisiana. Now you've got how many stores you got down there? Well, we only have uh, we have one showroom um, in Baton Rouge, and but it you know it's not a little store. It actually has an, an outdoor area with. Um, I'm trying to remember our our latest number. I would say probably about fifteen or twenty different little vignettes that have um, you know a bunch of different brands, uh-huh. and uh, it's fully laid out to where instead of just talking about it and looking at pictures, you. You can, you know, if, if these are your two grills that you are not sure you want, you know, if you're kind of looking between the two, well, come check them, you know, put your hands on them and sure. use them or fire them up or whatever and just see the physically the differences and, and what you do and don't like about them. So that that is kind of a, a neat thing that we have going on over at our showroom. I think that's really important, you know, that um, a lot of people, and, and I mean a lot of people, mm-hmm. when they go shopping for their new grills, if they're not as intense about barbecue and outdoor cooking as you and I are, You know, they'll go to a big box store and that's fine. If Mm -hmm. you want your grill just to last a season, maybe two seasons, that's okay for the most part. But if I think if you're really getting into it, you really need to, to really kind of look at what your, what you think your cooking style is that may change, you know, over a period of time, we all change doing that. But I, but I think it's really important to go be able to put your hands on it. Like you guys do down there. And say, hey, you know, you with me? Which one, you know, between, between, if it's between this one and that one, with you know, really, really physically, you know, see the differences. I'll tell you another thing, too, um, from what you just said. And when we first opened our showroom, I heard what you just said, or parts of what you just said, all the time. People would say, this grill that I have, I had a grill 
that was, you know, got from wherever, and it lasted, blah, 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 blah. And that's all, I would hear that all the time. This girl lasted this long, this girl, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking for probably three or four months before I figured out what was going on in my head, I was trying to figure out, like, why do they keep, you know, I, I don't understand. Because for me personally, I would never choose a, a cooking appliance solely on how long it lasts. That actually doesn't even have anything to do with it. Right. I mean, I want it to last, but that doesn't really change my mind whether I want a cooking appliance or not. So then when I realized that, that I mean, that literally their major number one thing a lot of times. And to me, what they're doing with that is using a speedometer to see how much something weighs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're using the wrong, it, it's the wrong testing criteria. <laughs> it, it, I mean, honestly, because what, what you're not talking about is let's say a grill lasts 50 years. I mean, a whole McGraw lasts you forever. Yeah. But guess what? It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. You're not going to entertain with it. Any other list of things, when, when the wife asks you to go make Sunday hamburgers, you'll replay in your head the last couple of Sundays ago when you had to, your water bottle and you were spraying out the, the fires that you were having and you were <laughs> shuffling the burgers all over the place and you were whatever, and that's what you get to go do this Sunday. Right, right. But that's where it's at. It's like a nicer grill, sure, it will last you longer, and that, that's great. I'm not knocking that, but the honest truth from people that I talk to all the time after helping them find the grill that, that works for them is how much they enjoy it. I use it almost all, you know, use it all the time or it, they, they enjoy, it's not a hassle to use it. Right. Well, and you know, to me, you know, you know, Tony, that's one of the things that like up in our area is where the pellet grills came from originated with right. Tr trigger right. right up here and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know, the true hardcore barbecue aficionados always say you got to use wood or you got to use charcoal. I understand mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. if you think of the 90 million people or whoever that barbecue in the United States, for example, a mm -hmm. lot of them don't have time. So they want to come home and they want to either turn on the gas, get the grill hot, put their steak on it, so to speak, or the same thing right. with a pellet grill. Fire it up. It can be ready in about 10 15 minutes, what, you know, mm -hmm. whichever model yeah. you've got works and they're yeah. ready to go, go to town cooking for you there. So I think, yeah. I think we, sometimes we overlook the fact that, um, people do need the convenience when they're, when they don't do it like you and I do it all the time. Okay. They need, oh, the, absolutely. they need absolutely. the convenience yeah, to, to come home and say, I've got uh, 27 minutes before I have to be at the gym and I need to eat, you know, sort of something. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds crazy, but it's true. It's really true. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, it is, you know, it's, yeah. it's, time is, is um, the commodity that does not replenish itself by any means. No, I know that it's my birthday's coming up here very, very shortly. And I can, Mine too. and I can tell you that it's that time is an evil time. SOB. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, I keep trying to find a way to get it back to, you know, to get back at time, but I don't think that's going to work. I, I feel like it's going to continue to win and, and beat me year after year. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. You can replay television shows. You can replay mm -hmm. movies. You can reread books. You know, you can you can do all kinds of things. You can start and stop some things when you're cooking <laughs> them if you have to. You know, there's yep. all kinds of things you get do-overs in except that. you That's the yep. one, one thing that you can't ever get to do-over in, whether it's just in life or your cooking stuff, is time. 
bastard. Anyway, so yeah, I haven't found a way to make any more of that so far. So, no, you know, whatever time you have is what you have, and that's it. Yeah, no, you got to do that. Well, and I, and I get that too, you know. And but along those same lines, same kind of thing. It's because of that time, you want to make sure that when you walk out to your grill or whatever cooking appliance, you know, a griddle or whatever, you want it to work every time and or work how it works. Every time, you know, not change as time goes on. Right. Every other time you use it, it's now a totally different cooking appliance that is now hot in the on the back left instead of the back right, or or whatever it is, you know. So it's, I mean, that's part of it too. Is is all of that? It's like that is what you are investing in is enjoyment of the you know the the hours that you that you'll spend over the years grilling for your family. You'll actually enjoy that time, and then also you will have something that when you are in a rush, which probably is more often than not for most of us, sure. is you turn it on and it works. You just turn yeah. it on and you start cooking every time. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It works really, really well. Um, yeah. If you could give one piece of advice before we roll out of here with this show, we've got about a minute and a half here, mm -hmm. Tony. What uh, would it be? If somebody, if you got one piece of cooking advice slash barbecue advice, what would it be to people? Prepare, prepare, prepare. Uh, to in, in order to have more fun at the actual event or whatever entertainment function you are having, prepare as much as you absolutely can before the event so that you can be relaxed and hang out and, and actually enjoy the thing that you're putting on. Oh, that's great advice. That is truly great advice. So thank you. real quick, how can people find you, find your videos, find uh, Barbecue Guys? Our website at bbqguys.com. Um, we also, our channel on YouTube, where uh, a bunch of our recipe videos and product videos and stuff um, is also under bbqguys.com. So I want to thank uh, Tony Masada from Barbecue Guys down in Louisiana for joining us today. And that was one thank of the things. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you talk about planning. We've been planning this for two months to get you on this I show. I know, it's been a while. It is, <laughs> it is. So um, we'll be back uh, next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.